You're listening to a previously recorded episode of the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. Views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. This show is broadcasting live from the Podcast Detroit studios in Royal Oak, Michigan. For more information about this show or our network, please visit www.podcastdetroit.com. Tickets.com. That's C A L I tickets.com. Tigers tickets. You want to go see Kanye at the Joe in September? I do. Guns N' Roses this week at Ford Field. Fat Axel. <coughs> Selena Gomez at the Palace, if that's the shit that you want to listen to. <laughs> I think that's coming soon. Any of these concerts, plus more. Lions, Wings, Pistons, whatever. Your your ticket source, kellytickets.com. Mention the DetroitSportsRag.com, and you are eligible for a 10% discount. As a matter of fact, I am going to tonight's Tigers game because Cali uh, Tickets gave me seats right behind home plate in the fourth row. They hooked me up. They didn't give me shit. No, well, you're working tonight, and <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, instead of you going to the game with me, because you have to uh, work at uh, Bella Piatti right across from the towns, and we'll give them a free a free plug as well. Mm-hmm. Which uh, once needs to, needs to stop today. I I'm going to hit my dad's boss up. You want to get see, a little cash? Seen Steve Eiserman dining there. I've uh, once Mark Wahlberg, Lynn Henning, known to. Uh, Frequent the the uh, Italian restaurant. I, I've never seen him there. I uh, hope I did. Spiro, Spiro took a picture once that uh, he was at the bar with, and, and Spiro was across. That's from fantastic. Him. So uh, we're getting all of our ads out of the way right now. Who I am going with to tonight's game uh, is my wife Melissa Mist, who is over there texting and completely ignoring the fact that she's in the studio. Are you going to say something? She shakes her head. No. <laughs> you called in a couple weeks ago when you had a beef against Spiro, so I don't know why you can't like say hello on the fucking mic. Hi. Oh, that's great. Wow, that's stirring stuff. Great radio. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we might get into her with into it with her later. I don't know. Uh, uh-huh. Freudian slip. Maybe. I see. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, we're gonna have live porn right here in front of you and Jessica. 
We're going to just do it right on this big conference There's table. There's no video in here, so that's not going to help your ratings. We'll, uh, right in front up. of C-3PO Buddha. I was going to say, is Just Roy going to be filming the experience? Or? <laughs> no, I think Just Roy, uh, Roy Harris is going to be, him and his wife will be probably getting over here from the <laughs> east side as quick as possible. Anyway, uh, so, you know, today was supposed to be a great day. Got the podcast. My wife's here. Going to see the Tigers. Justin Verlander pitch. Most people are going there probably to see JV. Others maybe hoping to have a reenactment of Miguel Cabrera hitting a ball outside of Comerica Park last night on the bounce. You know, something something memorable, memorable like what, that. By the way, what did they have that home run distance as? It was I, I remember seeing it and it was no, way too low. Upton's they had like at 423 when the wall was <laughs> yeah. 420 and hit it 50 feet above the wall. Miguel's was like I think 453. I mean, I've never seen a ball hit in that spot in what the 15 or 16 years how do we of, the, not have, like, of the park? How do we not have the technology to accurately measure home runs? Well, they have stat cast. And like I said yesterday, if that Miguel Cabrera home run was 453 feet, I'm guessing stat cast is going to tell us that Lexington Steel has got a hard cock of about four inches. And that's not accurate either, from what I've been told. Uh, not no from what about. you've been told. So it was going to be a nice evening at the ballpark. Everyone else going to see the Tigers. Myself, personally, excited to see the person who I think should be the manager of the Detroit Tigers. The third base coach of the Seattle Mariners, one Manny Acta. And my plan this evening is to passively, aggressively, or passive-aggressively, I guess it would be. There we go. Sorry, sorry. I forgot. You can't make any mistakes with a guy with a 153 IQ in the room. Well, okay, 145. Let's not. (laughs) I don't want to put myself over here. I I was going to passive-aggressively troll Brad Osmus, since I'm going to be right over near the Tigers' dugout, I guess, with these seats. By the way, 153, isn't that the amount of games that Miguel Cabrera played at first base a couple years ago? Thanks. That's yeah, nice reset. Yeah. So anyway, my plan is just all night, and I'm going to be periscoping this for any of you who follow me on that social media platform. I'm just going to be yelling random things all evening to Manny Acta. Statements like the following, or questions actually. Hey, Manny, would you bat a guy with a sub 300 on base percentage in his career second night after night? See if Manny has an answer for that. I might also ask Manny Acta, would you ever take Miguel Cabrera out of a game willingly? Oh, something that happened last evening where Andrew Romine pinch ran uh, for Miguel Cabrera when he got to second base. Did you watch the game last night at all? I, I watched a little bit of it. Yeah, I, 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 I got to see the uh, the Cabrera home run, which was nice. I didn't watch the whole thing, though. I went on... Ryan Schuling show yesterday, uh, my normal Mondays with Moss up in Lansing. Sunday after the game, I- I'm just done. Completely over Brad Osmus. Uh, I've pretty much been agnostic about him most of the season, but in the last couple weeks, all of the shit that we've gone through the first two years has crept up, proving that this guy has learned nothing from his mistakes. It's ab- it's absolutely frustrating when there is no margin for error for this team from to keep doing things like he did last night. 
he made several basic errors that you wouldn't think any manager in baseball would make. Well, and it starts with just the creation of the lineup alone. When you look at the lineup where where you have guys, like you said, who are sub-350 OBP, it's a 320, 300, 300 OBP guys. 300. He's got, he still play. Mike Aviles is playing again today. When did Mike Aviles, yeah, he's playing for Moya. When did he become a regular? He plays almost every game now. Now, I understand J.D. Martinez got hurt last week, but I would rather have Moya against pretty much anyone than Mike Aviles. He used Mike Aviles as a defensive replacement last night for Moya. Say what you want about Moya, and I'm not exactly going to compare him to Dave Parker out there in right field, but at least he's an outfielder. The guy who came in as a defensive replacement for him well, and it's also- was, is a middle infielder. It's like having a young surgeon who, let's say, he's a heart surgeon and bringing in a more experienced OBGYN to open up your heart? That's the, I mean, the, he's not a, he's not, he's not a outfielder. And it, right away, he makes an error that leads to the go-ahead run. But let's back up a little. I want to get your opinion on this. So Mike Pelfrey, who yesterday I waved the white flag with Spiro, uh, I will take whatever punishment uh, I have coming for saying that giving, in, 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 in my own defense, my comment about Mike Pelfrey when they signed him was, I thought it wasn't a terrible move because I thought uh, the, the first breaking news when it came out that he had signed a one-year $8 million deal. That was what people were saying. Then people were saying he signed a two-year deal for $8 million, which for $4 million a year, even if he's terrible, it's kind of, it's a, you know, it's a bargain for any pitcher. I don't care how awful you are. This is a guy who had a 1.4 war last year. So if you value war even at $5 million per I mean, one, he had a 1.4 whip. He also, I mean, no, no, he, no, he also but, had a 1.48 whip. He had a, I, I but don't I'm know just what saying, you can look at. If you just at. say, if he had a war of 1.4, if you just say, okay, and if you look at his, at his games, I went through every game he pitched last year, his game log. He pitched about 15 really good games out of 30. He pitched 10 not-so-good games, and then he pitched maybe five or six awful games. So if you get a war of a 1.4 out of a guy you give a, a one-year, $8 million contract, uh, I thought it wasn't the worst thing in the world. I hoped it might work out as a fifth starter. When it turned out that he gave him a two-year, $16 million deal, I was already I was already off the, the bandwagon on the deal, so... I get kind of a, I get kind of uh, painted into a corner on that, but I wave the white flag. I will not defend the Mark Pelf- Mike Pelfrey signing any longer. But let's saying that Mike Pelfrey yesterday was horrible. The guy he had given up like twelve hits in five innings or something. Whatever it was, it was insane. He had like two or three double plays just to minimize the damage that he was giving up. The Tigers. Take miraculously take the lead at some point, I think in the bottom of the fifth inning. They go up by one run. Or maybe it was the bottom of the fourth inning they go up by one run. It was the bottom of the fourth. And they bring him back. I mean, it was miraculous that they were even still in the game the way Pelfrey was pitching. The fact that they had a lead and Osmus brings back Pelfrey again to instantly once again give up the lead was just an absolute joke. Well, and, and you have to wonder, 
what is Osmus even seeing in Pelfrey where he's even bothering keeping him in the rotation? It doesn't make sense to me when the guy has do – you, do you know what his highest game score on the year is? It, no, I don't. It doesn't matter if you pay attention to these things or not. It's I, I look at well, it I know like what any game stats. score is like. The, if sure. you want to say like the best game score, one of I think one of the best game scores of all time for a pitcher was last year Scherzer's. Yeah, um, where he had what uh, like nine? Who he had like seventeen strikeouts or yeah. something? One hit. And, and then, no, was it the one hitter or the no hitter? It might have been even the one hitter. I think this one right, hitter right. he actually got a higher game score, right? Because he had more strikeouts, right? Not that that's necessarily all that important. His highest game score this year, it's his second start of the year, 55. So it's not as though Pelfrey's gotten roughed up a couple times, had a couple decent starts, had a couple good starts. It's cons- His best game is average at best. And his worst games are, just like last night, they're complete abominations. Right. And you need some sort of a miracle to win. You need to put up... Eight, you know, seven, eight, nine runs in order to even have a shot because with the bullpen the way it is too, especially with the bullpen on short rest. Well, here's the thing about the bullpen, okay? It's, so, it's, it doesn't make sense. Why are you throwing this guy out here again and again so when he can't right. do it? He's getting trashed in that fifth inning. They had just gotten the lead back. He's getting rocked. Who does Brad Osmond start warming up? Kyle Ryan. Kyle Ryan, the same Kyle Ryan who was just called up from Toledo two days prior, who's a bum, who stinks, who just cost you the final game in Kansas City, so you lost that series. Uh, You win one and you lose three in a crucial series against a team that you're going to be battling out the rest of the year for first place. Brings Kyle Ryan in, and we can even talk about that for one second. Not sure. Uh, What, a a relief pitcher with a 1-4 whip? Well, forget him. Forget that. He had (laughs) K-Rod sitting there. K-Rod hadn't pitched since last Monday. Now we're coming ahead to Sunday. In a game that you're tied in extra innings, you really need to win against KC there. You're going to fall four and a half back of the of the Indians if you don't. Sorry, I thought you were talking about last no, night. No, no, I'm, I'm going back to Sunday now sure. for, real quick. Got it. In this fucking oh, yeah. imbecile, mimbo, moron, Dartmouth, I, I, I want a DNA test because I can't imagine there's any person with Jewish blood who's this mathematically challenged in the world. Brad Osmus. Well, K Rod's my closer, so I can't bring him in here in what was it, the eleventh or twelfth inning? I can't even remember. I'm I believe it was forget. the tenth, but no, I... no, it was like later than that. Was it? When he brought oh, Kyle okay. Ryan in. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Extend the game. Bring K Rod. K Rod could have pitched theoretically. He hasn't pitched since Monday. You could he if he gets a couple a quick inning, 15, 16 pitches pitches in the first inning he pitches, he can come back. You can extend him. What are you saving him for? No, he brings Kyle Ryan in straight off the turnip truck from Toledo. And, of course, predictably enough, game over. The next night, he's got Pelfrey on the ropes. You can see he has nothing. Even Pelfrey admitted. It was as as bad as Pelfrey's been this year. Pelfrey said, it was my worst stuff all season. The manager sitting 25 feet away can't see that? No. Just let him pitch. And he's got Kyle Ryan is the first guy warming up and the guy who comes in. Now, if you want to just tell me that Annabelle Sanchez wasn't available last night because he had pitched so much in the previous few days, 
I could say, well, you're kind of you know screwed one way or another. Whoever you bring in there, they had that rookie that they just called up from another guy that they just brought up from Toledo, uh, who was warming up too. So you say, well, you're between a rock and a hard place. Who do you bring in in the fifth inning of the game? But you had Sanchez available because we know Sanchez pitched later in the game. A guy who's been a starting pitcher his whole career. He could have been that bridge at that point between maybe Justin Wilson, K-Rod, Shane Green, you know, the, the stars of your bullpen. But no. He brings in Kyle Ryan. Now it worked out last night. It didn't Sunday. But we're just—I don't care about the results. We're talking about this thought process of this imbecile manager who continues to be an abomination. A team that going into last night on June twentieth was one game under five hundred, with a two hundred million two hundred million dollar payroll. A team that we know is trying to become more sabermetrically saber inclined. Institute a puppet regime, Al Avila, Sam Menzen, Jay Sartori. Institute some dummy, whoever it is, who is desperate for the job, who's never had a managerial job. I don't care if it's Omar Vizquel. I don't care if it's, I uh, forget the kid, the guy's name who handles the stuff for uh, Keep Kapler's friend, Matt something. I forget his Matt Moore, I forget his name. But he's in the organization there. I, I, I wouldn't know. Who but, supposedly is sabermetrically well, but again, uh, an advanced metric guy. But put Jeff, in a puppet regime. Put a fucking phone in there and just say, this is do this. Do that. Try that. Do but, something out of the box. But, but Jeff, uh, this is where it's like, the, but then who's running the show? Who is running the show? Because it doesn't seem like Osmus is... Really on the hot seat here. You're you're not here. Well, he's on the hot seat. If he doesn't make the playoffs, he's of gone. Of course, he's on. I'm I'm saying in that sense, but I'm saying it doesn't feel as though like last year. There's a sense that he could really lose it in the middle of the season. His his job, unless the Tigers fall off even further, uh, it doesn't seem as though there's any sort of organizational change in terms of how they make lineups, how they do games on a day-to-day basis, how the team is managed doesn't seem to be any different. So you so have to wonder you, put you have to wonder why well I'm control. saying what I'm saying is why is there this disconnect still between the front office and what's happening on the field? Because it seems as though ownership has made the decision to go more sabermetric, but at the same time they're not going more sabermetric because the result is on the field on a day in day out basis. This team is not run in an intelligent numbers oriented manner. Simply not. No, so, that's what I'm saying. So why is why why year, is there no puppet manager? Why is there no puppet regime? Well, it would be something out of the box. I mean, most teams don't do that. There's usually a division of labor where the manager and the general manager have okay. The general manager puts the team together. The manager says, okay, you know, once the game starts, it's all on me. Uh, even the lineup, I, I don't want any information. I'm saying you've got an owner who's dying, okay? He's 86 years old. If he even makes it to the playoffs, who knows? But You just you have to wonder whether there, Where this is team, a sense of urgency? You have to wonder whether 
the front office is being given really the same level of power that that they should. That they're giving the they're being given the power that they should be given in order to influence how this team is working. Uh, you talk about money ball. No, I think El Avila has autonomy. I believe he does because I don't think Mike Mike Illich is in the is in the conversation right now. I think Chris Illich is the one who is the power play right now, based on a lot of things I've heard and the fact that over the weekend, and we're going to get to this after the first break. Pavel Datsuk said that he talked to people in the Red organization. I think he talked to some of the Illiches, but he specifically they specifically asked him, do you talk to Mike Illich? And he said no. And I'm guessing it's because Mike Illich is not feeling up to uh, talking to Pavel Datsuk and hearing that he's going back home to Russia, which, trust me, if you think this segment's miserable, uh, <laughs> wait till we get to the second segment about Pavel Datsuk and Greg Krupa and and... My article about Sergey Fedorov and Datsuk from the other day because I might have to sit in another studio when we get to that topic. Or Jessica's probably going to have to. I don't know what she's going to do with the levels of the I'm mic. I'm just going to move you across the room. You can just yell across the room toward yeah. the mic. So well, you, know, you don't, I don't even break think it. The people listening probably don't even need me on mic. They probably can just hear it even if they're in <laughs> Chicago. Just stand on the street and scream it into a microphone. But well, where's the sense of urgency? The base running hasn't gotten better. The fundamentals are still terrible. I don't care. You can't fire the whole team. I just I just don't understand. The decision to keep Osmus after last year makes so much less sense now than it did even then. And Well, it made a little sense if the option was garden hire or nothing. Yeah, but and if you're that looking was Mike at Illich it, dictating that, it made yeah, sense. Now that's what I'm if saying, but Mike if you're, Illich is out of the if out of the equation. Hire, hire, promote somebody who you can have some sort of uh, power over, who maybe you can dangle the carrot. Look, hey, Omar Vizquel or whoever it is, if you can take this team to the playoffs and you win a round or two or you know, maybe win a World Series and you prove to us that you're the kind of manager we want, mm-hmm. maybe he gets the job. Something. Yeah. But this shit is... Well, what it, we're watching on a nightly basis with the lineup, with Mike Avilas and Andrew Romine batting second, with the way he's handling the pitching staff, not using relief pitchers in higher leverage situations who are his best guys. These are things that are counter to what the front office believes in, and we know it because we heard Sam Menzen last Monday talk about it at Seaholm High School. Well, and, and meanwhile, the clock is still ticking on Miggy. The clock is still ticking on V-Mart. The clock is still ticking on JV. Uh, you know, Verlander's clearly been far improved this year. So has Victor Martinez. But you have to wonder how much more does do either of those guys still have in the tank? Now, I, I think Verlander certainly has a couple more years left because he's been he's changed his game. He's not the same guy he was back then. and And every now and then he's able to turn it on a little bit, but... He's certainly changed the way he pitches. So he's got a couple more years, but he's still on the wrong side of 30. You know, we, we, jo- you know Miguel Cabrera right. is still on the wrong side of 30. V- Victor Martinez is almost on the wrong side of 40, for Christ's sake. Well, his knee is on the wrong side of uh, 130, yeah. Right. So. But, you know, we, we watched the Tigers under Leland, and I would always say, how does Dave Dombrowski sit up there in the press box or the suite or whatever 
watching some of these moves that Leland makes and not get mad, not say something, not do anything. You know, batting Don Kelly third or whatever it was. And it turned out at the end we learned that Dave Dombrowski was as anti-math as Jim Leland, basically. That's what we discovered, that he didn't even have an analytics department until Al Avila took over and promoted Menzen and hired Sartori. So now it makes sense why Dombrowski just let Leland go for seven, eight years or whatever it was and would have probably let him manage for another five if it was up to him. But now we know there's a disconnect between what's going on in the front office and what's going on on the field. And it's just, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. You have a $200 million, $200 million payroll. Get someone in there who's going to make the right decisions, at least give you a fighting chance. How much more time does Joe Jimenez have to spend in double-A? He, he, does he have to throw 40 straight innings? Where he, where he gets two strikeouts for every inning and he doesn't give up a run? What's the point? I know he's 21, but he, can, he can't come in here and pitch last night. Who would you rather have last night coming in in the fifth inning? Mike Pelfrey, Kyle Ryan, or Joe Jimenez? I don't think that's really a tough question. So bring him up. We know Daniel Norris is probably coming up to start uh, the game in two days on Thursday. That should have probably happened a couple weeks ago. Pelfrey... At this point, as I said last night, I waved the white flag with Spiro. You can send him back to wherever the fuck he came from. Yeah, wherever Anthony Ghost is hanging out, put him there. Last week we talked about this, right? We discussed the fact that they didn't have a fourth outfielder. Still and, don't. Well, exactly, but we'll get... Well, let's, <laughs> they, let's, they, let's, they do have a third infielder now, though, right. so that's great. No, they got rid of oh, him they got today. rid of him. Casey oh. McKee. I don't even... Did he ever even play? I... No, they DFA'd him, and then nobody picked him up, and then they sent him back to Toledo. Wow, what a and shocker. They, and they called up a ninth. Like They've got like 94 pitchers now in the bullpen. but All of them suck. If all, if all these guys <laughs> in the bullpen, yet Mike Pelfrey came out for the 15th, fifth inning yesterday when the team got the lead. What's the point of having all of these uh, relief pitchers? I mean, this team's got more relief pitchers and more middle infielders than Carter's got pills at this point. That's a reset that's before your time. But we talked about it last week, okay? We discussed the fact that they didn't have a fourth outfielder. And why wasn't Moya on this team instead of one of the two wonder twins of Romine and Avilas? I was ranting about it in the middle of J.D. Martinez getting injured, which, as I stated on Twitter, seemed like some sort of bizarre Twilight Zone episode. Oh, Moss, you want Stephen Moya here? Oh, well, watch what we're going to do to fucking the elbow of J.D. Martinez uh, with the wall. Yeah, you had all the time in the world to finally read those books, Jeff. All the time in the world. To serve Moss, as I put it. <laughs> I think you got served more in the, in like the, the you got served The monsters are due on side. Moss yeah. Street. Yeah, you, I mean, yeah, you got your wish. Congrats. I got my wish. And what? by the way, <laughs> how was Moya done since he got called up? He's been probably the, one of their better hitters. The crushed, other, crushed that home run against Chris KC. Young. Yeah, yeah. The only guy on the team they had to call a guy from Toledo. Uh, speaking of that, that game alone was a gigantic embarrassment. The thing is, is that Chris Young owns the Tigers for whatever reason. I was listening to the game on the radio as uh, the woman over there and I were driving to Costco, and Dan Dickerson recited the stats of Chris Young versus the Tigers, and I don't think Clayton Kershaw would do better 
in 45 or innings or whatever it was. I mean, it was crazy. The amount of hits. His whip is like .5. His ERA is like one. It's just incredible how Chris Young dominates the Tigers for whatever reason. And I'm not even going to get it. The team's been averaging 5.5 runs a game this month. The offense is not the problem. No, yeah. no, no. Right. Every I, game. I talked. I was arguing this with, with Shuler when, Well, no. When you win the game, when you win the game 8-7, to seven, <laughs> the offense no. is not the issue. No. The, and the offense has... Every game, every team's going to get shut down by some goofy starter once in a while. But this team's been scoring runs pretty much every single night. I mean, it, the offense has been very good. Even since J.D. went down, you know, Upton's come around, which I obviously predicted was going to happen because he had too much of a uh, track, record. track record for that. Yeah. But it's just, why is, this, why is this organization always one step behind? And, 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 and continuing to employ this idiot... Who is not improving? I, I I don't. How is how is this town not up in arms? How are there people calling for his his head? It just are they just resigned to it? And I again I just I don't understand the point of having a front office that is sabermetrically inclined if the product that you're going to put on the field doesn't reflect that. It doesn't matter. I, I don't I don't care what your front office says or does or believes because if you're still throwing. Romine or Avilas out in the two spot, guess what? <laughs> That's what you're getting. Right. You're not getting anything else. So uh, no, we, just, there's no need to beat a dead horse. It's, just, it's, no. it's crap. And it, it feels as though this is a team and an organization that simply does not understand the clock that is ticking on their – I don't even know if I can say they have a window because this is a team that's at 500. It's not like they have a championship window. They're average. They're really average. And something needs to change once again in order for them to do that. But I I don't know. Do you see them really being buyers at the deadline? I think they'll trade for a lefty. I, I can see reliever. them being like like take somebody, they but well, they don't they're not anything. making they're not going to be pulling off a massive trade. Well, what do they really need? They don't need to make. And this will be the last thing. And we're going to go to a break. They don't need anything in their lineup. No their lineup set. They don't need a closer or really a setup guy at this point. So what what they really need is pretty cheap stuff. They need probably at least one lefty situational reliever, maybe two. Uh, depending on what you get from Rondon for the next few weeks, you can make a judgment on that. And you know, with the righty, uh, I, I personally, he was great the other day. I don't have a lot of faith in him going forward. Uh, and you know, are they going to call up Jimenez? They call up Jimenez, and he's fine. Then that also is an assistance to the bullpen. You're going to have a couple weeks and some maybe three starts, four starts to see what you can get out of Norris and Fulmer. So if Nor- well, I I think at this point Fulmer is. Right, pretty pretty entrenched. But he's he's, he's got but a he's long limited inning wise. Yes, so that's going to be an issue. So what I'm saying is, well, and same the, for Norris. At the very at the very most, all they would really have to buy is maybe a couple relievers that's not that, that aren't top of the line guys, and maybe a fourth or fifth starter. <sighs> but here we that's are. It. But here we are for a decade now. It's been a it's been a goddamn decade. For it's been a decade where we've been saying, well, all they need is to tweak the bullpen a little bit. No, no, no. There were some years where they needed a right fielder that desperately, and they traded for Jeff Baker. 
There was years they needed a lot of relief pitching, and they didn't trade it for it at all. I think this year is the most. I, okay, pre- I think fine, fine. You talk from like '08 to 2010, right. but but I'm saying no, I'm saying I'm saying '06 to '014. Or 2014. I'm saying this is, to me, and I promise we're going to a break so we can talk about the Wings, is the most tweakable team. I think this is probably the most solid team that they had, they've had, top to bottom. That's why I'm even more frustrated by the fact they continue to keep this manager. That lineup is very, very good. Verlander, it looks like Verlander. Fulmer looks like Verlander from 2007. So there are pieces there, which makes it more aggravating when you're in a division without a runaway team. There's no Chicago Cubs. There's no Texas Rangers. The Indians are a good team. The Royals are a good team. But we just went into Kansas City and lost three out of four to a team that doesn't have Moustakas and Gordon. So you don't see them crying in their Cheerios. No, they just went and whipped our ass. Against, uh, by the way, Ned Yost, who has a much better grasp of his pitching staff. I know he's got more tools to work with, but you see what that guy does in the fifth and sixth inning. He's bringing in Soria. And he's an idiot. And he's an imbecile. (laughs) So it's not like the the bar is very high. All right, if you think that was a cheery discussion, just wait. Because when I come back, I'm going to be dropping the cunt word probably about 17 times. Excuse me? Not with your wife. Well, I'm not going to call you a cunt. I mean... Unless you do something to deserve it. Your mother-in-law is listening. My my mother, my mother-in-law, and your mother. Well, if they don't know that I dropped the c word, I I really they they can listen. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think a couple of moms is going to stop Jeff Moss at this point. That ain't no red light. Trust me. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the the Datsuk exit, and then I think at six o'clock we're going to give away some Tiger tickets. We're going to have a contest. So, So if anyone wants to call in. Um, the number to call in is what, Jessica? I don't even... What? Oh, here, 248-579-5295. So we're going to have a contest if you want to play a contest and win a couple Tiger tickets. We're probably do that around 6. So, All right, that's uh, that's the first segment for the show. We'll be back after one song and talk about the depressing state of the Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> You're listening to a previously recorded episode of the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. You're listening to the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast. Oh, I've been told, uh, I, not personally, obviously, this is what we're hearing. Bob McKenzie says it's pretty much a guarantee that Pavel Datsuk's $7.5 million will be traded. Darren Dreger said today on the radio in Canada, um, uh, someone sent me a clip, and I listened to the whole thing. He was pretty much guaranteeing that Holland was going to move that contract. But by, by the way, uh, do you know what teams still need to get to the cap floor? Everyone it's, talks about Carolina, but I was going to say really, Phoenix. Phoenix does too, don't Phoenix they? already has some of those dead. I think already has a dead. Oh, I think con- they made yeah. a. Didn't they make a trade? Okay, but I don't know. I really, I you know what? There will I'm, be suitors. I'm so certainly there are. Suitors. I'm so anti doing this and giving up any more of the youth that I don't even want to investigate it. I'm just basically holding my breath for the next nine days because Holland on Saturday said that if they doesn't do it by J- July 1st, that he's probably not going to trade it. So basically, I'm just sitting here hoping that it, it falls through. Kermit the Rieger 97.1 has been tweeting out that he hears that there's a suitor 
and they're just working out the price. I mean, there's so many layers to this Pavel Datsuk moving to the KHL uh, to unravel that I don't even know where to begin. But I think the place that I want to start is with this notion that Pavel Datsuk didn't know what he was doing. And I've got about five clips that we're going to play through the next uh, half hour. And I want to play the first one. This is a question from Datsuk's press conference that he gave Saturday. This is Michael Stone asking him a question. And then we'll jump off from there. Knowing the salary cap ramifications, think about what the heck can we just do it for one more year? Um, I made it in uh, my team in a tough situation. But I believe in uh, our management, they're the best in the NHL, they make this happen. So there he admits that he put Datsu, excuse me, he put the Red Wings in a tough situation. No shit. Admittedly. Really? <laughs> no shit. Th- thanks, Pav. <laughs> and in the second breath, he says, well, I have all the faith in the world in the best general manager in the National Hockey League, which I don't know who he's referring to, but he obviously couldn't be talking about his incompetent salary cap era. Boss, I think he's probably talking about whoever uh, rips off the Red Wings for his contract. So we're going to lay out the case almost like this is the prosecution of Pavel Datsuk. (laughs) That's the first piece of evidence there. We're going to go to the second clip, and this is a clip of, uh, I believe it's going to be Ken Holland talking about uh, the fact at his presser on Saturday that Pavel Datsuk is a hockey player, and he had no idea when he signed that over-35 contract back in 2013, that he had to stay here for the entire contract of three years or he was going to fuck the Red Wings in the ass. I think that's this clip. 2020. I don't think Pav knew the rules. Uh, I don't think Pav had a conversation with Gary Greenston about when he wanted to retire. Um, I think that's. I don't think Gary Greenston got into a negotiation with me and was talking about a five-year contract and his client is telling him he's, he's, he's year to year and Gary knows the rules. I just think that uh, there's, you know, I'm not even sure, you know, Pav, I don't think Pav did made this decision knowing the rules. I don't think he had a conversation. I think that Pav signed the contract. He wanted to be here. And when he got into the middle of, the, he got into the start of the first year, for the reasons that you heard today, he made a decision that he, he didn't want to be in the National Hockey League in, in, anymore. He wanted to go back home. Okay, so in that clip, Holland states that Datsuk had no clue that when he signed that contract of over 35, that if he left or retired or went back to the KHL, that the Red Wings were going to be stuck with a $7.5 million cap space. Keep in mind... That was a front-loaded contract where Pavel, on a three-year deal for, I think, uh, $22.5 million, got about seventeen and a half up front. So Holland states that Datsuk had no clue. And that his, just, it was, his agent, agent wanted, his agent his agent tell him wanted to sign him to a five-year contract instead? Yeah, his agent wanted to sign him to a five-year. It's, yeah. So, but the bottom line is Pavel didn't know. So let's go to Pavel Datsuk in clip number three and see what Pavel says about that. Signed the contract, did you know about the 35 years and old plus clause? And do you regret that it leaves the wages kind of in a salary cap? Yeah, I know they explain me everything, uh, but this is when I'm signed. I just, I think, I handled my mind and then be, 
hands on my mind, but I don't have on my heart. Yeah, I know. Okay. Hmm. Wojo there hmm. asks him twice. Did you know the ramifications? Yes, I knew, but my heart changed, and I was thinking. I was thinking with my with my head, and my heart changed, and whatever he's talking about. And then Wojo follows up. So you knew that if you signed that contract, you had to stay here for three years. And Wojo didn't say this, but I will, or you are going to butt fuck your organization that's paid you $72 million in U.S. currency since 2001. These guys are idiots. Hey, you know, they sound like a couple of teenagers who just got got caught, you know, breaking and entering. They and then they get brought. Story they get, they get, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They get brought to the police station and the police separate them and, you know, get them into separate rooms and start asking them questions. And they realize, oh, shit, we never got our story down <laughs> straight. Like they're Cotton giving each them. other. They're giving the police different it's stories. There's whole different circumstances. It's a bunch of crap. These guys are idiots. They, they don't even know how to describe how they fucked this team over. So in that scenario, which is the person who in L.A. Confidential was getting examined by Exley, Emma Exley, and pissed his pants down his leg? Remember that scene? You probably didn't see it. Anyway. Well, I was was four when it came out. They couldn't even. (laughs) Have you seen The Godfather? They couldn't even get their story straight. And it's pretty obvious what happened here. Pavel Datsuk had an agent represent him. Pavel Datsuk knew exactly what he was signing. As I wrote in my article the other day, he was at, for three days in 2012, I think it was Chicago, where they were having NHLPA meetings to discuss the CBA. They were having intense discussions about collective bargaining and there were two Red Wings present at that meeting one was Justin Abdelkader who's the head of the union for the Wings he represents the Wings with the NHLPA and Pavel Datsuk it's not like Pavel Datsuk is just this guy who just came off the street and had no idea about the had no knowledge about the collective bargaining agreement he sat there for three days as one of the Red Wings two representatives out of 20 some players and to say he didn't know. And if you're going to make this case, Ken Holland, you incompetent idiot, that Datsuk signed that, that paperwork, not knowing that he had to stay here for three years, why weren't you there sitting there explaining to him that, Pavel, you know you can't leave or you are going to be screwing over your teammates, the fan base, Mr. Illich, me, that conversation should have been had. And why should it have taken place? Because this didn't come out of the blue. There's been discussions going back more than a half a decade, Jasper. Rumors that he wanted to go back to Russia. The daughter that he's supposedly going back to take care of, that's going to live in another town six or 700 miles away, is 13. She's not 22 months old. This has been tugging on his heart for a long time before he signed that extension. Go Google it. You can find 5,000 articles 
discussing him making a decision. Is he going to stay in the NHL or is he going to go back to Russia? And Ken Holland didn't have the foresight. He wants to talk about 2020 vision, 2020 hindsight at this point. It didn't. You could have been a blind man with access to to braille copies of this, the hockey news. Well, and it it's just like for people to expect Red Wings fans to buy this story that Pavel Datsuk didn't know what he was signing, didn't know what he was doing, didn't know the ramifications, it's absolutely asinine. The guys signed what? Three, four different contracts with the Red Wings over the years? You're saying either you're incompetent. <laughs> so so you're saying each that time. You didn't explain to him the details of the deal. And as I said the other day in my article, when you go and lease a car, they explain to you what you have to do for the course of that lease. I mean, come on. He didn't explain to his star player what would happen if he left? Well, you don't think Pavel Datsuk knew when he signed his last contract? Of course his he last knew. Contract, his last contract, his seven-year contract that took him up through his age 34 season. You don't think he was thinking about it then? And you, we're don't think get he, to, you don't think he knew what the potential cap ramifications so could be? So let's get to the next step he, of this. If he left at 33, which, was, which would have been completely reasonable, by the way. Ilya Kovalchuk did it. Let's get to the next step of this, okay? So now you have the fact with... His own words hanging him. Ken Holland's words this hanging even, him. This shouldn't even be a discussion. Datsuk knew. Okay? Now let's get to the juxtaposition of Sergei Fedorov leaving town versus Pavel Datsuk. I'm not going to get into You can go read it on the website, my 3,000-word uh, 3, article. And people thought Moss was angry before this part. Right. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into the yeah, whole back entire— back away from your mic. I'm not even going to go into the whole entire— History of Sergei Fedorov. You want to read about what happened and how he wanted to come back? There's a nice novel on there's the, three thousand words.com. Go to the website and you can read it. But for this guy, one of the greatest players to ever we uh, wear the wing wheel, Sergei Fedorov, to get booed every single time he came back and touched the puck in that building, which I cannot wait until they detonate in a year. That dump. That garbage arena. I'm surprised I haven't broken my neck walking down to my second row seats in the last 30 years with those no handrails. That's one of the most shocking things that nobody's like gotten seriously I, injured or died. Going in down or those going stairs. down. I don't know how. Who built that building? Uh, somebody in the 1980s? I mean... <laughs> so, no, that building was like, is like 10 years older, and this is going off topic, than the palace. You would think... Compare the palace. Ten years? If you showed someone who didn't know the difference between the palace and Joseph, someone would say to you, I bet you if I took Melissa and she has no idea when they were built, she wasn't from here, she'd probably say there's a 50-year gap between when those two buildings were built. So I can't well, wait until it's exploded. And the palace is a dump itself, which says a lot. No, it's not. It's still a nice building. What are you fucking talking compared about? To, have compared to well, new modern it, NBA arenas? What are you talking about? It was built in 1989. It's still a pretty nice arena, but let's not go Whatever, there. whatever. We're not going to get there. Rank your top five. So, sports arenas in the Detroit area. Come on. All right. So let's now talk about the reaction of Datsuk leaving versus Fedorov. All these fans are just, oh, well, he's got to go back to his daughter, and everyone's got an explanation. Sergey didn't want to leave. Sergey shopped the deal that Mike Illich gave him, and at the end of the day, he was coming back. Even though he was going through a divorce with Anna Kornikova, who was moving to California, whatever, 
He decided he's coming back to Detroit, and Mike Illich pulled the offer. It really wasn't, at the end of the day, Sergei Fedorov's decision. Pavel Datsuk signed a deal, made a commitment with this franchise that he was going to be here for three years. A week into the first year of that contract, he told Ken Holland he wanted to go home then. Treasonous behavior from the same selfish guy who has put Team Russia in 2014 Mm -hmm. above the Detroit Red Wings. And if you don't believe that, Go to the website and you can read quotes from Ken Holland. I was going to say, Ken Holland, uh, once again. He wasn't again, happy. Once again, Ken Holland's own words. That's what crucifies Pavel Datsuk. The only reason Ken Holland couldn't do more to stop Pavel Datsuk, who it's had Because he playing, literally couldn't. No, because he was part of the organization for running Team Canada. So it would have been hypocritical. But if this was any other sport. He said, look, you're not playing for our team. The team, the franchise that's giving you $72 million. The team that's paying you $7.5 million this year, or whatever the number was back then. You're not going to the Olympics. This is a, a billion-dollar organization. We need you. You're our best player. I'm sorry that you can't go home to Sochi. But you haven't played for us. Rest up and come back for the stretch run so we can make the playoffs and try to make a playoff run. No, he didn't do that. He rested, 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 didn't play, and then went to Sochi and played for Team Russia on half a leg or whatever it was. And didn't miss a shift. And, yeah, didn't miss a shift as Brian Cavanaugh who's walked in now to uh, witness my explosion. No, and, and you so know, if, if, the guy, if, the guy, if the guy had been playing, maybe then you can say, okay, go to, go to Sochi. But he had been he, playing. He, he wasn't playing because of injur- injury. Did he play, Brian, did he play? He was played, his last game the game? That he played the the uh, Winter Classic. No, he played two games before the Olympics. Okay, he, he two t- games. He, he played his last game before that was the Winter Classic. And then he played two games r- leading up to the Olympic break. Wow! So he basically he used be, those he w- two games to get himself game ready. Yeah, he wouldn't want wouldn't want to be qu- too cold for those games. Yeah, for the exactly. Olympics, right? For the real stuff that matters. So that so you've got the selfishness of what he's done. That he wanted to leave a year into a, a week into the first year of the extension. Well, the dishonesty. Then, then <laughs> the dishonesty. Or, or I don't even see dishon- Whatever. It's, I don't even don't even call it dishonesty. Maybe he did have a change of heart, but you can't have it. You can't do that to a franchise. Then you have the fact that okay, they t- said no. You, you know, this is your contract. You got to stay. Second year, I want to go back again. Had to have a powwow in Mike and Marin Illich's house. They had to threaten him. They had to threaten him that we were going to stop you from playing in the KHL because guess what? This hasn't been talked about a lot here in this town, but there is a tentative kind of agreement between the NHL and KHL where this stuff doesn't happen. Where if you've got a contract with the NHL, you can't go to the KHL and vice versa. So he comes and says, I'm done. My heart's in Russia. i got to go back which would have stuck the Red Wings with the salary cap issue for two years of having dead space of $7.5 million, which even if you wanted to give up Larkin, you might not have been able to trade that. Then they say, no, 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 let's have a meeting at Mike Illich's house with Marion, and here's the thing, if we promise we won't stop you, we won't blockade you next year if you give us one more year, which is just an absolute joke. Well, and you have to wonder whether the difference between Ser- the way the Illiches treated Sergei Fedorov and the, the way they treated Pavel Datsuk was the monetary the, – the money that they owe Datsuk and, and the amount of damage that him leaving could do to them 
while well, we'll Fedorov leaving was was not financially going to hurt them. So we're going to play a clip that BKF brought out. This is uh, number four. This is a clip uh, for about a couple minutes. It's Holland discussing this whole situation on, uh, what was it, TSN or TSN yeah. Radio? So listen to this. And this is insane. In this clip, what you're going to hear is Ken Holland saying, look, if I tried to keep him here for the third year. Well, let them hear it. Yeah, but I just want to preface it. This is what could have possibly happened if he would have forced him to stay for a third year. Listen to the theories that Ken Holland brings out on his own. You know, a year ago when, when Pav wanted to go home and wanted to go home and wanted to go home with two years to go on the contract, and finally one day I said to Dan Milstein, Dan, what if, what if we get, what if I extend this, this, I guess for lack of a better word, I don't know, is an olive branch or, 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 or you know, if he's going to go home in the summer of 15, I have an obligation, I feel I have an obligation to, to exercise all our rights with the, the NHL, if a player retires, you, I can't stop a player from retiring. If he wanted to retire and end his hockey career, he could do it. If he wants to go back to Russia and continue his hockey career, we were going to try and do everything we could. But at the same time, it didn't make any sense to me to try to go to a player of Pavel's um, importance and what status and, 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 and what, he's, what he's meant to this franchise um, who's from another country um, to, to basically saying, you signed a, a two-year contract, I'm not having any further conversations with you, we're just going to force you to play. And, I mean, I don't know how he would have played. I, and he could have come up with some some funny injuries, you know. So at the end of the day, I tried to manage this thing, this situation to the to, 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 to the best that, that I could. So... so- Ken Holland. Uh, oh no, I'm, I'm sure you Pavel. Da- you want to talk? Take this. I'm, I'm sure Pavel Datsuk would never come up with some sort of funny injury in order to get, get what he wanted. I'm sure he would never do something like that. But well, other why? than in 2014, well, he did. He had a legitimate injury in 2014. Yeah. Oh, playing. Yeah. But how can you say in that interview that well, we couldn't afford him to come back? You're accusing the guy of he would that he would have faked injuries. That he would have been such a malcontent? And how do we know that he had his heart fully into this season? We already know. Selfish thing number four from Pavel Datsu. We already know last year that he needed surgery. He put that off for 58 days after the season. After they got eliminated by Tampa last year. He needed surgery. For whatever reason, he needed to go on vacation I don't know where he went. Maybe him and Dan Milstein had to go to Vegas. I don't know. 58 days he put it off, which cost the team 15 games of Pavel Datsuk. Okay? If he had the surgery within a week or two after the season, like almost every other athlete in the history of mankind who needs a procedure at the end of a year, Pavel Datsuk would have missed zero games. Say, Jeff, how many games back do they finish? Two of Tampa. Four points huh. for home ice advantage. You think you think Pavel Datsuk might have been worth four points on an NHL season? So not only has your superstar left you high and dry, $7.5 million in dead cap space, he missed 15 games of this season. 15 out of 80. You're, you're the one with the high IQ. You can figure that out. 
for no reason whatsoever. Let's also not forget that when he came back, he had to then get into game shape. Right. One last you thing. You have to start playing. One last thing before we get into Greg Krupa and his comments about this situation. Pavel Datsuk has been telling Ken Holland for three years that he wanted to go home, that his heart was not in Detroit anymore. We learned today that he told Henrik Zetterberg halfway through the season this was going to be his last season. There was no internal debate going on. They made the deal last summer at the Illich compound. Stay here this year. We'll let you go home next year. Everyone knew. What did... What did Ken Holland do to make that situation any more tenable? Nothing. Furthermore, all that time passes. The only people who knew basically were the Illiches, Milstein, Datsuk, Zetterberg, and Tony else on the team. So why 48 hours before the playoffs were to start, did Dan Milstein, orchestrate an interview with Mitch Album to run on the front page of a Sunday Detroit Free Press that Pavel Datsuk was going home after this year. That couldn't have waited another few weeks? Why did that article have to run? Why did they have to call up Frodo Baggins, condescending Album? Why did they call him and say, we have a story to tell, which was a heart-wrenching article about how he had to go back to his 13-year-old daughter. Do you know why that took place? Because his mortgage broker slash agent, Dan Milstein, wanted to get ahead of this story. He knew the, what the ramifications were about the salary cap, the $7.5 million, the legacy of Pavel Datsuk. He knew it all, knew everything. So they called up the most sympathetic midget in town, with a pen and pad. And right before the playoffs start, right before the postseason, his last run in Detroit, Pavel Datsuk runs to Mitch Album, and they run an article. So what happens the next day? All of his teammates, from Larkin to Zetterberg to Cronwall, they all have to answer. Ken Holland has to answer. Jeff Blashell has to answer. Instead of talking about the Tampa Bay series, which was coming up within a day, now they got to answer to the fact that their guy, their cap, their excuse me, not their captain, their star player is leaving to go back to Russia to leave him with a seven point five billion a million dollar bill, and have to answer questions about that. And then what happens? Even though we all know that Pavel Datsuk is leaving, Dan Milstein has the chutzpah, the unmitigated audacity. To say it, no decision's been made after he orchestrates the article in the first place. How much more selfish could you be than that? You can't get any more selfish than that. That article could have waited a couple weeks until the end of the season. You could have had a period of time. Wings get eliminated, let's say, on, on May 5th. You run that article on May 15th. Holland and Illich and everybody in Dats, they all know what's going on. They know he's going home. How fucking selfish can you be? Well, and how stupid can you be if you're the Red Wings? You, you've gotten played. Not only have you gotten played on every level, you've allowed yourself to get played, and you've played yourself in multiple of these situations. When you're Ken Holland offering a three-year deal, when, when Datsuk wants to go back home, uh, allowing this article to even happen, 
So now, oh, oh, well, oh. I don't think they had. I think they got blindsided. Well, why the Dreger, hell? Hold on. Dreger said today on Canadian radio that Holland can say whatever he wants to the public, that the people inside that organization are not happy with Pat Valdez. Then why aren't they saying pissed. something? Because then why are they that, saying something? Why? The same reason they gave Dan Cleary 17-year deals, okay? Because they're so loyal. That's why – why is – Ken Holland saying that Datsuk had no idea to make himself so look stupid. So that's what I'm saying. Stupider. They're playing themselves. I'm not going to disagree with that. So now we have all of that on the table, right? So let's get into the next thing. And the worst shoe hasn't even dropped yet, which we'll talk to last. Greg Krupa, this fucking fanboy moron for the Detroit News. Please, while I'm talking about this, can you bring up the Justin Spiro article? From January. Just uh, Google Justin Spiro, Greg Krupa, Detroit Sports you got Drag. It. You get get up those get those tweets up from Greg Krupa. This piece of shit, this human paraquat, this cum stain, <laughs> this George R. R. Martin diarrhea looking lookalike has the absolute I don't even, I don't even know what word. Ignorance? I don't know even what to say. To write this in the Detroit News yesterday. Should it prevent his number 13 from being lifted into the rafters five or six seasons hence? He's talking about all of the issues that I just brought up. No, it belongs there. Unlike Sergei Fedorov, Datsuk gave the Wings years of notice and never walked away to play for an opponent. Wait, years of notice? You mean... You mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I gave you I gave you uh, two years notice that I'm going to be fucking you. And <laughs> hey, Melissa, in three years, I want you to know that I'm going to cheat on you. But when it happens, don't be mad. <laughs> you gave, I just you gave told you. you. Yeah. I gave you notice. I put you on notice. <laughs> don't be mad. Oh my god. Can you believe this guy? Can you believe this fuck stick? Hey, by the way, so how did Sergey Fedorov financially fuck over the Red Wings? Sergey Fedorov wanted to come back. And he left because he was told that contract was taken off the table. That's all he did. And the Red Wings went along their business. Did the Red Wings lose an Anthony Siu, a Yurko, a second-round pick, uh, their first-round pick from last year, the Russian kid? No, they didn't lose anything. They didn't lose any money? No, they lost no money. Anybody in the world to compare the Sergei Fedorov situation... To the Pavel Datsuk situation without saying Sergey was in the right and Pavel Datsuk was wrong every step of the way. This is a guy who had to be blackmailed to stay for another year. Even if Fedorov didn't want to come back, even if he didn't accept the offer, he did something that happens every year in every sport. He used his option to leave as an unrestricted it, free agent. It, it's right. not, exactly. It's not exactly. even the same it's not even the same situation. One was a free agent who could go anywhere. The other one was was clearly going to stay in Detroit. He wasn't going to go anywhere else. He made a commitment. And he committed to a team that he wasn't committed to. I want to play the fifth clip here, and then you get those Krupa things. Oh, I got them up right right, now. You can read them. You know, this is Spiro's, this is really Spiro's thing, but he's not here, so you're going to have to uh, read them. But play the fifth clip. Now, this is Mike Illich. And just try to figure out who Mike Illich is talking about in this clip. That's not true. We made, we made him an offer, and uh, it looked like he was going to take it. 
and then all of a sudden, uh, a little bit, he wanted a little bit more, and it was a great, it was a great number, you know. So it irked me a little bit, you know. I figured, you know, how much you want. <laughs> Just ask you what you want, tell me, and then he tells me, and then he wants some more. So I forgot about it. It was a great number. Mike Illich has the best numbers. Forgot about him. Yeah. I forgot about him. Now, if you just were, if you just were listening to that clip, you wouldn't have any idea if he was talking about Sergei Fedorov or who he was really talking about. Max Scherzer. Right. That's that is Mike Illich. Now, Mike Illich never commented really about the Illich. The, excuse me, the Fedorov situation. Never. But the way he treated Max Scherzer is the exact same thing. It's exactly how it went down with Fedorov. And that's why his number is not retired, which it should have been last year when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. I looked it up. If you total how many games Pavel Datsuk played for the Red Wings, postseason and regular season, and Sergei Fedorov, I think it's within about 2%. So don't give me this bullshit. Sergei Fedorov did nothing wrong. He was coming back. This, this guy, Pavel Datsuk, is stiffing this team to this day, and we're only going to find out in the next few days how big that bill is going to be. Wow! And, and for this, we've already got this we've already human waste. Hits, for this human waste, Greg Krupa to say he's and, and Greg Krupa's repeatedly said that Sergei Fedorov's jersey should not be retired by the Detroit Red Repeatedly gone on the record. This human shit stain. I. I will throw a parade when this motherfucker dies. <laughs> I when when William Clay Ford Sr. croaked, I only had a party at a bar with ten of my closest friends to celebrate that. Good thing we got that when disclaimer, this, Jessica. When this, when, when, <laughs> I know, right? when this Santa Claus, <laughs> good, good time. When this Santa Claus looking shithead kicks the bucket, hopefully in the next soon. But based on the way he physically looks, I can't come soon enough. I just hope he finishes the last book first. That's all. I, I look. I this. There will be a parade. Drinks on me when this motherfucker bites it. You piece of shit. You slapped it. Read some of the. Read some of the tweets from Greg Krupa. Oh my God! Wishing wishing death on Greg. Oh, I'm Krupa wishing for, death for his on this motherfucker for his bad fanboy tweets. Yeah. Uh, no. 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 It's the Fedorov stuff. Nah, and if you okay. cross Sergey Fedorov, you cross me. <laughs> and this motherfucker crossed the line. Well, I I just want to say. Before I even get to that, you just said, oh, we don't know what we're going to have to give up. There's already been hints of what the Red Wings are going to have to give up. Well, read and, that and we'll get into that. And it's going to be bad. Yeah, right. Well, here's here's just... It's a, like a hurricane warning. We're just waiting for the impending doom. Uh, I mean, hey, I'm just going to read a couple Greg Krupa tweets here uh, at the behest of Jeff Moss. Here's, uh, here's one all the way from back in January. Larkin, man, sometimes I just giggle like a little boy. That's that's a visual image. I journalist, <laughs> journalist, as Spiro would say, media member. Oh, this in is the a press great box. Mirazaculous. <laughs> uh, here's another one from uh, from January as well. Larkin is. This is all caps, by the way. Larkin is marvelous. DeKaiser scores. Larkin's speed carries day on winner. What a marvelous, marvelous road trip. Let me just warn the Greg Krupa family. You better hide the fucking body when he's dead. Because if I find out where he's buried, I'm going to whip it out, and I'm going to fucking piss all over his grave, and then I'm going to defecate on it. Here's a gem. 
Goal! I okay. like that one. Yeah. That's a good one. I I like how visual he gets with that. It's a lot of description. That's what a journalist should do, by the way. You is just say cunt. just say you goal. fucking cunt fanboy piece of shit. He makes Brad Galley. He makes Brad Galley look like Howard Cosell. <laughs> here's here's my last one. Still all caps. I I think he might have his caps lock broken. I don't know. Wing score, helm with the hands, baby. <laughs> so now let's get to what the, the, the rumors are today. I, he is right, though. Darren Helm does have great hands. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, he's, his, his, his hands, his yeah. hockey IQ, right. it's great. Yeah. There's, there's <laughs> nothing Darren Helm is known for more than his hands. Right. Than his hands. Very durable guy, too. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Okay. So let's talk about now the ramifications of Pavel Datsuk fucking this team. Well, can I just say real quick? Before, you can say whatever before, you want. Before you can we say move you want, on to even that, you're the co-host Greg, with Greg Krupa. Is if you're a yet? journalist, if you're a journalist, why are you tweeting out these ridiculous things that sound like they're coming from? This is the type of stuff that I put on my Facebook profile back in middle school when I was talking about Michigan football games. Just yeah, go touchdown number one. What a play! It, there's nothing his, into his, it. There's nothing. His mentality adding. is there, for everyone to see on Twitter. It adds nothing to the discussion. There's you're not learning anything by following him. You're not gaining anything by following him. It's God forbid nothing. I ever learn anything about this motherfucker because I will. This guy. I I will. I would rather have my daughter, if I ever have one, date Anthony Fennick than ever. I, that's how bad this guy is. This guy All is right. the worst. Let's let's keep moving on before right. you get me blackballed from other major <laughs> markets too. Well, wishing death on this guy is probably not helping you. No shit. Let's now let's talk about let's talk about the news that the Red Wings might possibly. Oh, this is so good! I can't wait to see what happens if they do it. Athanasiu, <laughs> Athanasiu. Now here's the here's what you have to look out for. This is the this is what will cause the the absolute panic of Ken Holland. And we've seen it before. As I said the other day, what has caused what has caused more death or not death but despair. What plan B has caused more despair? The morning after pill? Or the plan B's of Ken Holland. Because if you remember correctly, when he failed to sign Zach Parisi or I, I Ryan... I think the morning after pill is usually associated or, with relief. Okay. Or, or, or Ryan Suter. Or Ryan... Remember, they couldn't get them. He went into this panic where instead of... He couldn't get them, so he goes and signs... The next best thing. Michael Samuelson... Uh, Damian Bruner... Koliakovo Jordan Tutu... Right? Koliakovo... Murderers Row. We we already know what happens when Ken Holland panics. And it's not good. So this is the worst case scenario. That Stamkos' people, Newport Sports, let it out that they're interested, that the the Red Wings Wings have a chance. If that gets put into Ken Holland's brain by Newport Sports, the representatives of Steve Stamkos, and he's got to make a trade in 10 days. The clock's running. 
I can't even imagine what he'll give up. Well, you know, and the, then how he's going to explain yeah, it? Yeah, no, they're going to say we gave up. Uh, we gave up Anastasio for Stamkos. That's what he's going to say. That's exactly what they're going to say. Exactly. Just like oh, what you're going to say? That's not a good trade. Well, Nicholas Cronwell's hurt in February. Well, he's coming back. Well, that's our trade le- deadline yeah. acquisition. That's what's going to happen. That's how they're going to sell it to the dummies. And they're going to buy it. They're going to say, they're well, gonna, they're what all did you take Anthony ECU for Stamkos? The, the best thing that could happen is they find out that none of the free agents want to come here, and they do nothing. Because I can't even imagine, it's a, it's the minority of people in Red Wing uh, followers on Twitter, but there is going to be such a backlash. It'd be bad enough if they gave up Pulkin or Yurko or a second-round pick. If they give up the Russian first-round pick from last year or Athens CU or who God knows what that Ken Holland is capable of, we've already got nothing for Jan Mark, Jan Crack, uh, uh, Nestor Yep. Now Landon we're going to— Ferraro. Well, forget Ferraro. <laughs> Ferraro, fourth wing, whatever. The other guys are second- and third-line guys with, a, with promise. If they do this— I'm already done with the Lions. I don't know what I'm going to do. If they get rid of Anthony CU, now think about this for a second. This will be my last point if you guys want to say anything about this topic. Trading Datsuk $7.5 million in dead money to another team that's just going to basically use that. They don't have to pay anything. It doesn't cost them anything. Just imagine. This is the, this is the thought I was thinking about on the way here. Imagine that you had a warehouse. And you had all of this space, and you weren't going to use it. And someone said, oh, I've got a ping-pong table I don't need anymore, but I need you to store it. And you put that ping-pong table in the warehouse. It's not costing your buddy with the warehouse anything. And that's what taking Datsuk's contract is going to be for whoever takes it. That's $7.5 million. They were never going to get to the cap anyway. So whatever they can get out of Ken Holland is free. It's you know, a bonus. Right. Hey, you know what it's like? It's like uh, your buddy letting you store your ping pong table in his warehouse in exchange for getting the right to have sex with your daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's 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 not a fair trade. You're not what you're no. getting out of this is not worth what you're going to have to give up. This is it's it's incredible. And what you're going to be getting out of it isn't even that much. I'm going to warn you people. If this move is made and Anthony CU's traded, I'm even going to have an emergency podcast this week before the week is over. I will come in here. I'll talk to Dave and Bob. And They're I not will not going to be here. Ask me when I'm going to be here and I'll show up. Well, I'll call I'll talk to you. Okay. I've got your information. I know how to get a hold of you. Yeah. I I will come in here to do a podcast and sit here for as long as I have to. Greg Krupa, the treatment I just get Greg, Greg Krupa is going to be uh Cordial. <laughs> if they give up and, uh, Andreas Athanasiu, I'll get his brother on the phone. I'm sure he'll have a few things to say. Yeah, exactly. If he's no longer a member of the Detroit Red Wings organization, I can't even imagine what we'll right. get at Dimitri. <laughs> so we'll let, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, we got to get to the Tiger game. We're out of time. We'll do the uh, game show next week, uh, where we dis- where you can. The game is basically who said it. Don't worry. The, the tweets are yeah. still going to be terrible next week. <laughs> Who said they it? They will hold up in their awfulness. Who said it? Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith, or Bob Wojanowski. That's the game. So if anybody <laughs> wants to play it, maybe you can email me this week, and I'll just pick someone, and we'll call you next week. We'll discuss that. If you want to see me displaying my fanboy love, like a like Greg Krupa to Darren Helm, uh, watch Periscope tonight, because I will be very close to Manny Acta. 
Uh, after all, the, all after Jeff, tonight, there might be a PPO between Manny and All, all Jeff is going to be yelling at Manny is stuff like, Go Manny! And Manny with the good <laughs> go signal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, baby! Sure. I'll be yelling, Manny! <laughs> yeah, he'll be going, uh, Manny, that was a great... <laughs> Send home. Home. That was a great. That was a great send home yeah. on Cameron Maben's arm. Yep. Woo! Wait, <laughs> he promised listeners Kelly tickets. So, what are they? Next week. Okay. Next. Next week, week we're going to do it. So anyone wants to email me, I'll pick someone from yeah. random. The, the DSR the following through on our promises as always. Listen, <laughs> listen. Free entertainment. What, what else can you ask for? I'd like to thank Bcab Brian Cavanaugh for being here. Uh, Jasper Apollon for co-hosting. Jessica for producing. And for my wife playing uh, the best uh, deaf mute, refusing to get on mic, uh, that was great. That was I'm glad I promoted her appearance, and she said about as many words as uh, <laughs> Mahir Bahatnagar. So, all right, we'll see you next week, unless Ken Holland fucks it up even more, and then we'll maybe have an emergency. So this week here, at podcast destroy. Thanks everyone listening, and catch us on Periscope tonight at the Tiger game, and uh, giving shit to Brad Osmus. You're listening to a previously recorded episode of the Detroit Sports Rag Podcast.